Well, we're in a series uh, called The Holy Spirit. Uh, for those of you who are new to our church, we're looking three rhythms that we're going to talk about the life of the Holy Spirit. The first is the rhythm of the idea that he is above, recognizing that the Holy Spirit is God. What does that mean? What does that mean as we see it in Scripture? What does that mean in the life of Jesus? And then that's going to lead us into Advent. And then when we come into the new year, we're going to pick up the conversation again and look at the Holy Spirit working within us. What, what did God send his Spirit to do in you and in me? What does that look like practically? And I know that that's going to be a lot of the application. Some of you are like, this is great thinking, but what do I do with it? Well, in the new year, we're going to be looking at the fruitfulness that the Spirit brings into our life. And then the Holy Spirit uh, through us will be the last rhythm where we're thinking about if God has empowered us with His Spirit, it can't just be for us and our growth. No, it's for more than that. It's for the good of the world and the good of our neighbor, the good of our community group, the good of our church. And what does it look like for you and I to be actively aware of what God is already doing, probably already in and through you right now, you just don't have language for it. Or if you're newer to following Jesus, to recapture this idea that the same spirit that was in Jesus now is in you, empowering you to do the Jesus stuff wherever you live in ordinary life and in ways that sound simple but are life-changing. So that's kind of where we're headed. Well, right now we're looking at uh, the life of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. So we saw that Jesus brought about the, uh, the Holy Spirit brought about the birth of Jesus. The Spirit's working all in and around the people when Jesus is conceived and when Jesus comes out and Jesus comes into the world. And that speaks about our rebirth. The, the Holy Spirit is working about the birth of Jesus, but also our rebirth when we're regenerated, made alive to God because of our faith in Jesus. And then we saw last week that the Holy Spirit is working in and around the baptism of Jesus. And Jesus goes into the water, and as John put it, the Spirit remained on him. What does that mean? Well, we had a great question come in this week from last week's discussion. So I'm going to put it on the screen. And as you can answer, uh, ask questions, we want to answer them. If you have a community group discussion guide, QR code, every week we want you to think this through and ask your question. And we're going to just bring them up. A uh, person asked, was Jesus filled with the Spirit between his conception and his baptism? Or was the Spirit just present at Jesus' conception and then filled Jesus to stay at his baptism. It's a great question. And I met that person this morning and they were just saying, in their community group, they were wrestling. What does the Bible teach? Well, there's lots of nuances to this. So I'll give kind of a, a, a broad stroke thought. Two things we know are absolutely true. Uh, Jesus is God. So the relationship that the Father has with the Son and the Son has with the Spirit never ends. The three persons, but one nature. And this is mystery. Right? So Jesus is human for sure, but he's uniquely human in that he is, of course, he never loses his nature, which is very God. So in that sense, the Spirit is always with Jesus, right? Always was before his conception, before he was born, into his life, and afterwards, uh, Jesus and the Father and the Spirit, they're truly one. So that, the, in, in that sense, it answers the question, of course, Jesus is filled with the Spirit. But, same token... All four gospel writers give us this. The Holy Spirit guides all four to say the same thing. Something uniquely does happen at the baptism of Jesus. And the Spirit is working in the very human Jesus, the Son of God, in ways that he was not working 
before. And so we just need to keep both of those in tension. And, and in, a, in a way we could say in our own lives, how does this flesh out for us? The Holy Spirit has been working in your life before you're aware of him, right? The Holy Spirit is moving in and around you in ways that are profound. You just don't know it. Yet, the moment you trust in Jesus Christ, you are filled with that same spirit and then empowered to grow internally, to become like Jesus, and then do the Jesus stuff in ways that the Spirit was not working in your life before. So we're keeping both of those in tension. I just say, like, keep asking those good questions. Keep it up, and we'll keep answering them as we go along. All right, today we said we're going to be in Luke 4. Remember, all four Gospels give us the baptism, and Mark tells us uniquely that Jesus, filled with the Spirit, is expelled. He's, he's thrust into the desert, and that's where we find ourselves. Luke 4, uh, verse 1 says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan, that's where he was baptized, and was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil, and he ate uh, nothing during those days, and the, at the end of them, he was hungry. I love Captain Obvious. <laughs> okay, right? <laughs> like, you know, me after four hours. Four, I can't even last four hours. That's a lie. But 20 minutes after a meal, I'm already hungry. But Jesus, yes, he is God come among us, but he is a man. And, and the Spirit moves Jesus to do what? He first hears the voice of the Father. You are my son. In you, I'm well pleased. The Spirit comes on him in a bodily form, remains on him. Something amazing is happening. And you think Jesus goes straight and changes the world, right? No. What's the first thing that the Spirit of God does in the life of Jesus? The Spirit sends him away. Um, if you read this in, in the original, the, the sense here is that for 40 days, Jesus is tested, tried, tempted nonstop. Because we're going to read three temptations that, that the devil gives to Jesus that are very real with the same thing that he does for you and I. But, but I don't want you to think that at the end of 40 days, then, then the devil comes and bombards Jesus with these temptations. No, the reading in the original is that these three are a summary of what's been happening the entire time. And this is good news for us, believe it or not. I don't know about you. You may have walked in here and you have been bombarded with stuff. This week has been havoc in your life. And your world's been turned upside down. Uh, you're not alone. You may be filled with troubles and trials. You're not alone. You may feel overwhelmed. And you're like, I don't even know if I'm going to make it. There's actually good news in what we're going to read. Good news in what the Holy Spirit is doing in Jesus. Good news in what the Holy Spirit is now doing in Jesus' people. And I'd say personally that this hits me at a unique time. Um, you just read the Bible because it's good, Right? But then certain times you read things and it hits you at the right moment. And I, I have to confess the last few years have been very challenging, just challenging personally, challenging in try navigating humans through hard times. You know, try navigating yourself. <laughs> but then try navigating your family. Okay, try navigating people through hard times. It has been very difficult. And even the last few months have just been very challenging in our very close world. I won't bother getting into the detail, details, but I will say this. In reading and prepping this week, I was uniquely comforted that 
I'm not alone in long seasons of hardship. That like, that God, God went through in, in ways that are actually more profound and deep and meaningful than I am. But, but God, the Son, was there in hot and then in the evening freezing temperatures. He knows extreme heat and he knows extreme cold. He knows real hunger. He knows the absence of friends and family and people that you love. He knows what it's like to be alone and yet face temptation. So if you feel hurt or if you feel wounded, if you are struggling with temptation, if, you're, if you can't escape the mistakes you made in the past and every time you try to move on, they keep haunting you and, and coming back. If you're disappointed in yourself, if you're disappointed in your family, if you're disappointed in the church, if you're disappointed in leaders, if you're disappointed in anything, you can leave here with a renewed hope from God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit, because we're going to see them at work. Okay, what are the temptations of Jesus about? We know Luke sets up the scene, spirit moving, spirit on Jesus, but now in this time of testing, what's going on? I think what we're going to get is from these three temptations, we're going to see the question being asked, what kind of Savior is Jesus going to be? He's going to teach, he's going to do the miraculous. He's going to go to the cross. He's going to pay for our sin. But what kind of Savior is Jesus going to be? And then we'll, we'll see in ourselves, what, what kind of Jesus followers are we going to be? But let's first look at Jesus and the types of challenges he faced. All right, let's just keep reading. Pick it up in verse 3. So Jesus is hungry, right? Then the devil said to him, if you're the son of God, tell this stone to become Bread. And Jesus answered, It's written, man shall not live on bread alone. It's good news. Then the devil comes back, verse 5, uh, brought him to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of this world and said to him, I'll give you all their authority and their splendor. It's been given to me. I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And the devil led him to Jerusalem, had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you're the, quote, son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, and the devil quotes the Bible, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. And they will lift, up, uh, lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered by quoting the Bible. It is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time, which when we think of the testing or the temptation of Jesus, you may think of it as an episode. The opportune time comes like days later. The devil comes back and demonic powers Evil powers are trying to get Jesus off of track for the rest of his human journey all the way up to the cross. So it's not as though if you're choosing to follow Jesus, you're baptized. That is, the Spirit comes on you, in you. You're regenerated. You're born again. You're made new. And now you're equipped by God's presence to live the Jesus life and then do the Jesus stuff. And then you go through like two weeks of hard times. 
and then the rest is great, right? We'd all be out of here because this is not true. It's not true. This is a concentrated test, but the devil comes back at another opportune time, which is just around the corner. So we can say as Jesus' people that this life and following Jesus is filled with the presence of God and filled with the reality of an enemy all the time. And this is like a really helpful reminder. Testings, trials, internal temptations, external things coming your way is, hear me, it's the normal Jesus life. It's the real Jesus life. And, and just because some people uh, do things in, in Jesus' name, whether they lead a nonprofit, whether they lead a business and they follow Jesus and they look like they have it all together, whether they work at a church or serve, look, we're all going through some junk. We're all going through stuff. Stuff is being thrown at us and stuff that we're wrestling with within. And it is the same for Jesus. All right, so Jesus is given three testings, and, and, and these are summaries of what probably happened again and again over those 40 days. What do they have to do with what kind of, what, for Jesus, because he's the Savior of the world, what kind of Savior is he going to be for us? What kind of Jesus people, what kind of Jesus followers are we going to be? Notice how they happen. Three areas. The first, he is hungry. How is Jesus going to use his power? Uh, Jesus is now given in a fresh way the presence of the Holy Spirit, right? And so you can say in, 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 in our world, when you are united to Jesus Christ, when you express your faith in him, when God gives you a new mind and a new heart, and it happens in a moment, regeneration is the moment where God rebuilds in us this DNA, spiritual DNA, that we can know him better. When that happens, you have a new power. You have a new authority because God has come to dwell within you. That is real. Okay, what kind of, what kind of Jesus person are you going to be? In Jesus' case, the first temptation is about hunger. Will Jesus use his power to feed himself or is he going to trust the Father to sustain him? How's he going to use his power? And, and notice what Jesus does. Hey, hey, Jesus, you could, you could take that stone and you can make it bread. You could feed yourself. You don't need the Father. You don't need the guidance of the Holy Spirit to see where and when you're going to be provided for. You can do this yourself. And, and Jesus responds with the word of God. He quotes Deuteronomy 8.3, reminding himself and his enemy that, Man's not to live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of, of God. Life is not about relying in yourself. It's about relying on the Father for all things. So the Father is going to provide bread from heaven. And this is what Jesus faces. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. He's the Son of God. But what kind of Savior is he going to be? Is he going to be reliant on his Father, reliant on the power of the Spirit, or is he going to do things in his own strength? And friends, we face these temptations all the time. When are we tempted to think that God hasn't given us what we need, right? And that he, and that he won't. Will we obey God even when we feel like we're lacking? Do you have to have it all before you trust God? Or are you willing to say, God, you're, you're a good father who gives good gifts 
to those who ask. Are you willing to wait on God's timing or do you need to make it happen yourself? God has enabled you and I with real power. We have the Holy Spirit, but the Spirit is guiding us to trust the Father, to trust in our Savior, Jesus Christ, and not to do things in our own energy. So just as Jesus is tempted to use this power that's been given by God for his own use, so you and I are tempted instead of relying on God who's a good father, to make it happen in our own strength. And sometimes we, um, we cave in and we, we, we do things we shouldn't. We jump when we shouldn't. We move when we shouldn't. And we don't rely on him. And, and Jesus knows, hear me, Jesus knows what we're going through, right? The second temptation. So that's just one area where we're all weak at times and we need the Spirit's power. Why am I saying this? Because we have to remember, yes, Jesus is the Son of God, but the Spirit is with him the whole time. It's beautiful. The Holy Spirit inspired the writers, inspired Moses in writing Deuteronomy, and, and the Spirit is there giving recall to Jesus about the Word of God that he's put in his heart so that when the enemy comes, Jesus clearly knows right from wrong, good from evil. And this is a good template and reminder to us, the same Spirit that is bringing recall to Jesus, the Word of God to throw back at the enemy is the same Spirit that's reminding us of the Word of God. And that's why we want to we hide His Word in our hearts. Not hide it so we can't find it. <laughs> like Hide it as a metaphor. Put it deep in our life. We want to we live Bible-centered lives, not to be Bible thumpers or just to be know-it-alls. But these words are life-giving words, and the enemy does not have life-giving words. And when you and I are saturated in life-giving words from God, immediately when the test comes and the temptation comes, because it's subtle, he's hungry. Eating is a good thing. Would you agree? Eating's a great thing. But doing it in his own energy would go against the word of God. And so you and I, as we're tested and tempted in our times where we feel lack to do things that we know are wrong, to move when we shouldn't move, to do what we know we shouldn't do, we can recall the word of God. It says, look, everything I need comes from God. God provides food for today. Second one is in the, the, pow- the temptation about his power to lead. Notice, is Jesus going to use his authority, his power, to make himself someone great in this world? The devil says, if hear all the kingdoms, and then he lies, okay? Because the devil and God are not on par, right? It's not yin and yang over here fighting. No, no. There's the creator and there's the creation. So the devil says like, hey man, all this is mine, all these kingdoms, and I can all give it to you. That's a lie. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. It belongs to him. And the only authority that the devil has is limited authority and flawed because he's sin-filled. And so like, hey, Jesus, it can all be yours. Like you're... You have this power. You can, you can lead and you can rule this world. All you have to do is bow down before me. Just come onto my side and all of this is yours. And Jesus responds in Deuteronomy 6.13 where God's people are reminded there's only one you're to worship and follow and that's Yahweh. Oh, by the way, devil, that's not your name. And you don't have that kind of authority and, and Jesus is tempted in his ability. The Spirit is on him. He is, he is God's representative. He is called to lead. But what kind of leader, what kind of Savior is Jesus going to be? 
And we have this temptation all the time. When do we want to advance or lead or be successful to the point that we would sacrifice our worship of God to do it? You and I are going to be tempted all of the time, given all the opportunities that are, have come your way in family, in business, in community life, to lead without the worship of God. Would we change or bend our ethics and what we believe to get what we want? And, and we're going to be tempted and we're going to be tested as Jesus' people, just like Jesus was. What kind of Savior is he going to be? He's going to be a Savior who is in line with the will of the Father. And you and I, when we face rounds and rounds and rounds, it will be about, if God hasn't given me, what am I going to do? And if I, if, if I want to do what I want to do, am I willing to submit to the will of the Father? Or am I going to lead in my own strength, in my own power? And the third one is, is similar to it. Jesus is taken to the pinnacle of the temple, right? And then the devil misquotes the Bible. He does quote it. That's interesting. I hope we know the Bible better than the devil does. <laughs> and we know how to rightly interpret it. Because he comes to Jesus and says, you know, Messiah is going to be protected by the Father. He'll send his angels concerning you. Nothing can happen to you, Jesus. But is Jesus going to use his miraculous power for his own good ends? The Spirit has empowered him. But what kind of Savior is Jesus going to be? Well, I'll repeat it. He's going to be in line with the will of the Father. The Father and the Son and the Spirit are working together to rescue us. And we as his people, are we going to, are we going to trust our own resources? Are we going to trust in the Father that provides? Are we going to lead when we've been given authority to lead a family? Are we going to lead in the way of Jesus? If you've been given a business or some employees or some responsibility, are you going to, are you going to treat them in the way of Jesus, are you going to flaunt your authority and dominate people? Are you going to love and serve? You and I are going to be tested. Are we going to lead like Jesus? And then, and in this case, because Jesus is the Son of God, he says, you could do whatever you want. And notice, Jesus responds, Deuteronomy 6.16, you're not supposed to put God to the test. When do we question if God will do what he says he will do, right? That's a temptation for us, deep down wondering if he loves us and we're tempted to test him. What do we do if God will do what he says he will do? Like, what are we willing to manipulate in order to get God to move? And, and here, Jesus responds, we're not to put God to the test. God, if you do this, I will do that. This is not how it works. God's been given authority, and he's given it to his son, Jesus. And Jesus rightly uses his authority. He can do anything, but no, he doesn't flaunt it to make bread. He doesn't flaunt it to say, I want to I I rule and be bigger than all the Roman authorities. No, no, he humbles himself. And, and Jesus doesn't put the Father to the test, even though he could jump off of the pinnacle of the temple and nothing would happen to him. That's just not the way of the kingdom. And so... The Father and the Son are united in heart and thought. And Jesus, who's really a man, he's really a human, just like us, shows us that it's possible to honor God with our lives. It's possible to hear the voice of the enemy try to pull us off and do what is right. It's possible to be led by the Holy Spirit in day-to-day -day decisions. And this is what I love about the Bible. We read all of it because later, reflecting on Jesus, the writer of Hebrews says this, because he, Jesus himself, suffered when he was tempted. This was hard. He is able to help those who are being tempted. This is such good news. 
testing and trial and difficulty, it's real and it's hard and it's harsh. But Jesus understands how difficult it is. And then he says a little later, we do not have a high priest who's unable to empathize with our weaknesses. No, we have one who's been tempted in every way, just as we are yet. He did not sin. Will Jesus submit to the plan of the Father empowered by the Holy Spirit or use his power to his own ends? And we see that Jesus is a faithful high priest who understands us. Now, all of us have like strengths, right? All of us have things that we're really good at because we're born that way or because we've learned some things, we have some experience. And, and here's what I need to remind ourselves of. We're going to be tempted and tested oftentimes in our areas of strength. The thing that you're naturally good at or have become good at is a blessing, but it also is usually the area. I mean, Jesus is the Son of God who has all power, so he's tested in his power. Is he going to honor the Father or not? And you and I, it often, not always, but often will be in an area of strength. Uh, I'm a communicator, so I speak to groups and talking in, on stages or in front of large groups is not a problem generally for me. I enjoy it. And, and that's, that's a gift from God, and I'm grateful for it. It's not everyone's gift. It's usually most people's nemesis, you know. I don't want to do that. Well, great. I don't want to sit and listen. So we're, we're, in, we're in good company, right? Everyone has an area of strength, an area of God's blessing, uh, and, and we should be grateful. But let's remember uh, in, in the communication, I, can, I could use my words for selfish gain. I could work the crowd at... Manipulate, store, exaggerate, lie. Those are going to be real tempted every week. Every time I get up to communicate anything, am I going to speak the truth in a loving way? Or am I going to work it because I can? And that's the frightening part. We can. And your, your area of temptation may look different, but we're all like Jesus in that we're tempted and tested. And the sources of temptation are the same for us as they are for Jesus. The two sources of temptation, one we saw in Luke 4, is the devil. The devil's real and really hates Jesus and Jesus' people. And one thing that's going to be reawakened in us as we look at the work of the Holy Spirit working within us and working through us is the reality that we're serving Jesus in a world that's filled with a real enemy, defeated enemy, Jesus defeated the spiritual powers, all of them, on the cross, defeated. Amen. They, they have no victory in the long run, but they can have a short-term victory if we allow them. And so the enemy of Jesus is now our enemy, and he wants to pull you away from God's presence. He wants to distort things. He wants to get us to move in our power instead of trusting God for bread. Trusting God with the things that he's given us that we're good at, that we're going to do in a God-honoring way. We're not going to puff ourselves up. We're going to humble ourselves like Jesus, who himself is in his very nature God. He didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he humbled himself. He made himself lowly like a servant. Therefore, God's exalted him. See, because Jesus passes the test, God's presence is on him, and God the Father uses him, and God the Father, Son, and Spirit want to use us. And so there is an enemy who wants to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life to the full. The good news is the 
enemy is defeated. The question is, when we're tested and tempted, will that defeated enemy receive more defeat in us? Or will we give the enemy victory by listening to his voice rather than the voice of the Holy Spirit? So the devil is a source of temptation. But as well, there are desires in us. There's the devil, but there's also the internal desires that you and I have. James 1, I'll just read it quickly. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does God tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they're dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. So Jesus is a real human, so he's tempted to do what he wants to do, even if it goes against the word of the Father. Jesus always does what is right. But navigating those temptations from the enemy and those internal temptations, this is part of living the Jesus life in the real world. We're going to wrestle with it. If you're looking for the moment of life where there will be no more testing, no more temptation, no more trouble, no more battle, um, it's just not going to come. There are seasons where it's more highlighted. There are seasons of rest and refreshing. But, but dealing with the enemy, outside, the devil, evil forces, spiritual powers, and internal desires that I am given the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives in me, but I also have my human desires. They don't go away. Have you found that to be true? I know what's right, but part of me is saying, don't listen. Do what you want. Your way is more satisfying. And so this is going to be an ongoing battle but those temptations don't come from God, although the Spirit brings Jesus to a place of testing. It's the enemy that does the testing. And so in the same way, God's not testing you. God's not tempting you. But our own evil desires are potentially pulling us away from the Father. Here's what we know. Jesus knows the Father's voice. Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit, listens to the Father's voice and follows in response with the Father's words. And the same exact thing can be said of you and me. We can, just like Jesus, know the Father's voice. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. They don't follow a stranger. They know me. And so we can learn and grow and know the Father's voice, and we can respond to temptation with the Father's words. So Jesus resists every temptation, and now following Jesus is an invitation. And this is why. This is the good news, and this is why this fits in a series on the Holy Spirit. God hasn't left you comfortless. God hasn't left me comfortless. In early January, we're going to look at the things Jesus said in John 14 to 16 on what the Spirit of God would do in us to prepare us for testing and temptation and trial and the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, is living within you and giving you the ability to follow Jesus. All right. So Jesus is tested, but he is a Spirit-filled man, the Spirit-filled man who always does what's right. Now, how do we navigate then, as Jesus' people, are our temptation? How do we, okay, that's great. Jesus never gets it wrong. I feel defeated because I get it wrong all the time. Well, Here's what we have. Here are the resources God's given us. Five things. Write them down quickly. Number one, remember who we are. Jesus remembers. He just heard of his baptism. You are my son and whom I love. I, and you I'm well pleased. And 
You know what? You and I are children of God. And the same Holy Spirit empowering Jesus is now empowering us. Don't believe the lie. But the moment we turn and do something that's dishonoring to Jesus, we're no longer a child of God. You belong to him. And we're going to see in the work of the Spirit, the Spirit seals us. The Spirit's a deposit, guaranteeing what's to come. The Spirit of God is in you. And so, yes, I do stumble, and I am unlike Jesus, and that I do not perfectly pass every test. But I, I remember, I am a child of God. So Jesus teaches us to pray, and Lord, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We need to remember that prayer. Lord, lead us not into temptation. Deliver us, God, in my season of struggle and trial and testing and heartache. And I feel struggles within, and I know there's struggles all around me. God, I want to honor you. Lead me, Lord. We can do what Jesus did. Second thing is, remember the word of God. The, the Holy Spirit inspired every word in the scriptures. And we, we ought to saturate our minds and hearts because this is the tool. So in Ephesians 6, like when Paul's thinking about what it means to stand firm in the faith, he talks about the, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. It's, it's visual, it's metaphor, but it's real. You and I, when we speak the truth and we live into the truth, we can defeat the testings and the temptations of the enemy. Maybe not always, always perfectly, but we can live victorious lives. The third thing, uh, we want to remember the grace of God. The reason Jesus came was to rescue sinners, okay? Of which Paul says, I'm the worst. And some of us are like, man, I'm, I'm vying for that prize, Paul. Like, I feel like I'm the worst. Remember Romans 8.1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. You belong to Jesus and his grace is enough for you. You say, well, I, well, I did that once and then I did it again. His grace is enough for you. Well, it's, a, it's an ongoing struggle. Jose, I've had this struggle for, for like three decades now, and it doesn't seem to go away. His grace is sufficient. It's enough for you. You can't out-sin God's grace. Don't try. Don't be foolish, because the same Bible says, should we use God's grace as an excuse to keep sinning more? Absolutely not! But don't forget God's well is deep, and he could pour out grace to cover you in your most shame-filled moments. Jesus person, get up off of the floor. You are not dust and dirt. You're a child of God. And his grace was purchased by Jesus himself. And so don't tell Jesus you can't cover that because he'll show you his nail-scarred hands and the wound in his side, and the scars on his head. He said, no, I paid for that in full, and I love you enough to get you through it. Now, fill yourself with the word <laughs> so that you don't keep stumbling in the same old mess. But my grace is enough. Remember, number four, the people of God. I think sometimes, especially as Westerners, 
particularly as Americans, we feel like we got to do it ourselves. We feel like, no, I don't need anyone else because that's weakness. No, needing other people is human. We need the body because sometimes I feel weak, but you are strong in the grace of God and you can help me in my moments of weakness. And that's why I love what we're doing with community groups. This is week eight, last week of our fall um, session, and I'm so proud of you. The majority of our church, almost our entire church, is actively involved in the community group. And to me, it's the most joy-filled fact in our church. Why? Because it shows that we've recognized or we're growing in recognition of the need for other people. And the guides are just an excuse to get together, okay? The guides are just to get us into conversation. But it's this life on life that happens week after week. Look, if you're looking to be surrounded by people when you're in crisis, just know this. If you're not surrounded by people now, you're going to have a tough time. It's not impossible, but you're going to have a tough time receiving the grace of God from other people if you don't know them now. And so build rich relationships. Uh, think about our group. We were just uh, last Monday uh, together, and we, we broke apart, and at the end, we got just guys and guys and ladies with ladies, and just went around just saying, like, how are we doing, and how can we pray for one another, and it was just so life-giving, like so absolutely life-giving, because you know what I realized as we went around? The names of what we were going through were slightly different, but I'm like, that's me, that's me, that's me, that's me. In, in essence, I need Jesus. You could you could We should have just said that. I need Jesus in I need Jesus in. And the slight details are very real. But at the end, I just realized, man, I, 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 need, I need Jesus. And my friends need Jesus. And we just pray for one another. And when I think of them, because we're in constant conversation, I can, I can pray for them intelligently, you know? Not that God needs smart prayers. But with knowledge. And I can when they're not around, lift them up to God. We need the body and we need one another. I'm so grateful that we're growing in that as a church. And finally, the fifth thing, don't, don't forget, remember the Holy Spirit's presence and power. He's with us, he's here, he's now. He's here, he's now. And so we wanna invite even as we respond because we hear the truth and then we wanna respond in ways that honor God. We want to respond by lifting these things up to God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. What, what challenge is staring you in the face? What challenge did you walk in with thinking, Lord, I'm just help me to be blocked out from these thoughts because I'm going to come in, I'm going to sing, but these thoughts are just heavy on my heart and mind. What insurmountable obstacles are you facing right now? What are your temptations? What are the sins? What are the habits? What are the things that are going on? We're going to release these things. We're, going to, we're not going to hold on to them, right? We're not going to avoid them. We're not going to ignore them. We're not going to cave into them. We're going to present them. So, so the Father is there in the desert. The Spirit is there in the desert. The Son is there in the desert. And the enemy is defeated by the Word of God and the presence of God. And so we pray that that will happen in your real life even now. What do we need to bring to God. The good news is if you receive Jesus Christ, you're a child of God, the Spirit is in you, and the Spirit is in me, and the Spirit is in us, and the Spirit is working. So what are a couple of good responses? Uh, I want you in a moment, when we have you stand, we're just going to 
release these things. If the songs don't fit with what you're going through, then just sing out your own prayer to God. Sing, just sing it out. God, help me in this moment. Uh, we do have a team, a prayer team, that have been praying before you got here, praying for you, wanting to pray with you. Why not uh, slip out when we do move towards communion and, and receive prayer from someone else who you, maybe you don't know? That's the grace of God. He's brought people here to pray with you and for you. And then we're going to go in, in a moment to the bread and the cup. We're going to remember Jesus. And Jesus is the perfect one who's our perfect sacrifice, who could perfectly handle everything we're going through. Isn't this good news? Well, why don't we stand together? The same Holy Spirit that's working in Jesus is now the Spirit that's working in us. And so we want to respond. I'm going to invite you. We're going to sing in a moment. But I'm going to invite you, if you're standing, uh, just to take your hands and just if you would do this as an act of faith, just put them out in front of you. You don't have to lift them high. Just put them out in front of you. And I just want to give you this moment. If there's something that you need to receive from the Father, receive from the Son, receive from the Holy Spirit, just take this moment, right? And I'm going to be quiet, and then we'll, we'll sing some songs, and we'll move to the table eventually. But just receive the Father's love. Take this moment now and just pour your heart to him. Receive from him.